Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh, Walt Disney. We ain't at McDonald's, guy, so what's your beef? Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> We're here today to talk about Love and Kisses, or Danny, as it was titled in Australia. It's the debut album, 1991, for Australian pop legend Danny Minogue. What are you making of this one, Simon? You, you, you love a bit of Danny, don't you? Yeah, I do. I really, really love Danny. Some would say that I actually uh, prefer Danny to Kylie. I definitely think for the time that Danny was popular, I prefer all of her output. There's, there's not really a, you can't make a comparison because Danny's never really toured properly and Danny's never kind of been afforded the same opportunities, I suppose, in the same way. And they, their careers have gone in very different ways. You know, Danny's done theatre and stuff and Kylie hasn't and, you know, so yeah, but I, yeah, kind of, maybe, a bit. Ooh, that's a big call. Who's the better singer? See, okay, so technically I think Danny is, by far. But um, I, it's not to say I don't like Kylie's voice, I do. I think Kylie's a great singer. But I think that Danny's got a rounder, sort of fuller tone to her voice, um, which is why I think she's been able to cross over into theatre and stuff a lot easier. So if she's more versatile and she's got the better voice, why? Why hasn't she had the same success and let's also just be fair right off the bat if she wasn't being measured against her sister mm. she'd probably be considered quite successful in her own right but that comparison yeah. is really difficult for her why hasn't she been as big as Kylie I think she's had two noticeable dips in her career um, and I think when obviously because both Kylie and Danny are really really big in the UK um, and when Danny was big in the UK, she was massive. She was probably one of the biggest pop stars we've ever had over here, like, you know, for sort of hip-wise, you know, with Love and Kisses and then with Girl and then with Neon Knights. Like, she was really huge. Um, but I think there's just been, like, the second album wasn't great. And then all the stuff that with the album that got shelved after Neon Knights. And I think she's just never really... Like, it just hasn't worked, has it? Like, the, 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 the wave has never been at the right time. She just doesn't radiate that kind of um, mega star quality. That's how it feels to me. In saying that, her back catalogue, when we look at her music, amazing. Like, she's, she's got some awesome music. And I always love going back through Danny's musical career because there's always a treasure or two that I just didn't focus on when it was released at the time. And you yeah, go, wow, exactly. this was sensational work yeah especially with love and kisses i think i forgot because I, I played that album so much as a kid and i i'd forgotten half of it and when i went back to listen to it again for this i was like oh god i loved that song and i loved this song and this was so ahead of its time and yeah it was interesting it is interesting and interesting right from the start actually simon because it was called love and kisses in the uk in australia it was just known as danny because she had 
uh, a huge and still does reputation over here. She'd been on Young Talent Time. She'd been in our homes every uh, week for years on end. She was actually one of the biggest icons on Australian TV for many, yeah. many years. So we only needed to call it Danny over here. But what I find interesting about the debut album is it's totally different for the UK and Australia. When I say totally different, some of the same songs, but completely different mixes. I remember when I heard on the grapevine, the one that Stephen Bray was involved with, uh, Baby Love, yeah. and I absolutely loved it. And I thought, oh, Danny must be bringing out a second album. That's quick. But actually, that was recorded specifically for the debut album in your country. Yeah, it's literally uh, in my notes. One of the one of the first things I wrote down was that you didn't have Baby Love on yours, which I couldn't believe because it was a massive, massive hit over here. Mm, it felt like a lead single for album number two, and I just believed that <laughs> probably for ten years until I started doing my homework here. But also, Japan oh. was the same. So I think we were the only people to get Baby Love, weren't we? Because um, the the Japanese album was the same as. Uh, yours, but it was called um, Party Jam instead. Oh, they called the album Party Jam in in Japan, did they? Yeah, wow. which is weird because I think it's one of my least favorite songs on the album. But um, yeah, they called it Party Jam in uh, in in Japan, and then yeah, Love and Kisses over here. And it was the opening track for the Australian yeah. version as well. That's probably why they did it. Um, it came out in 1990 in Australia as well. And then yes, we had it yeah. before you. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly and right. Got repackaged and re-released and remixed and everything to be released in the UK. I think we got the better album cover, by the way. I, I, you know, yours oh, is more sanitised. But then I don't know if I love ours because it's um, nostalgic for me now. Familiar. Yeah. yeah. It got released twice. Because there was. Uh, like are you talking about the deluxe edition, edition in two thousand nine? No, there was an expanded edition. I was talking to Lee about this um, the other week, and he said that because we were talk- chatting about this album, and he said that he'd got the double cassette version, which was called Love and Kisses and. And it's the uh, one yes. that has, it's basically what's been released now, I think, as the, as the um, deluxe, but the deluxe has more on it. Um, but Love and Kisses and had all the remixes on it and stuff. Love and Kisses and, um, which, yeah, was released very shortly after the original version. It just had a few 12 inches. But mo- most importantly, it had the silky 70s mix of um, Baby Love. Yes. Which I love. Yeah, I do. That's well. great. Oh, this is nice. You know, I thought I, you were going to be, like, really damning about this album, and you've been quite nice about it so far. <laughs> Okay, let's put the context around this. Simon's been scared. He's been sitting there just braced as if he's going down in a plane as soon as he got on the line, worried that I was going to be, what, tearing shreds? Well, every time we talk about Danny, you're always, you always talk, and even in other podcasts, you've always talked about her like kind of knowingly negatively towards me as though it's going to like rile me. So I was like, okay, you're doing this because you want to get a rise out of me. Look, here's the thing. Danny Minogue, early in her career, um, was quite unlikable, frankly. When she went over to the UK, and look, there, there's a context around that too, but when she went over to the UK, uh, she was at pains to make sure people knew that she was a star first. Mm-hmm. It's a, just a teenage girl thing. It's not a big deal. Now that I'm older, I look back and go, of course she was going to do that because she was the biggest star. Um, but then uh, constantly dealing with those comparisons and the way that she responded to it was not with the same level of class or decorum that Kylie would have dealt with it in reverse. She's she younger, was, though, isn't she? 
she is younger, but you know, there's there was a resentment about it, which obviously for fans, mega fans of Kylie at the time, young, 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 put that in context, mm. um, it came across as resentment of Kylie's career, which yeah. I'm sure it wasn't, but it certainly did, and it was quite markedly there, and she would uh, backhandedly slap Kylie. In any interview I read at the time, oh my my music's edgier and funkier. Yeah, I don't. Uh, she didn't literally say I don't like Kylie's music, but there were quite a few interviews where she described Kylie's music as bubblegum pop. I think that was one of the famous quotes at the time. There was always a backhander to Kylie, and but I thought it's just not necessary. But at that point, Kylie didn't like her music either. That's why she wrote on Danny's album. <laughs> Which is why I bought Danny's album. Actually, that that brings yeah. us full circle. The uh, the only reason I went out of my way to buy uh, Danny's debut album is because Kylie was making her debut on this album as a songwriter. Because she was obviously it started to leak into news headlines at the time that Kylie was starting to rattle the cage that she might want to leave the pop factory that she wanted some more creative control, and here was her avenue to do it. So I bought it and. Um, I have to admit, I took a while to adjust because don't forget this is a guy who's a little guy whose head has been filled with stock oak and waterman for three or four years by that stage. Now mm. I'm listening to this sort of Janet wannabe sound. It mm-hmm. took me a few listens, but after a few listens, yeah, I must admit yeah. I was on it. I was not becoming a fan of Danny. I wouldn't say that, but I did love the music. I mean, context, I was a massive Kylie fan at that point as well. Um, I had all of her albums – but I think I gravitated towards Danny for all the reasons that she said and that you've just indicated, because I was also a big Janet fan um, and a big Prince fan. And I think that I gravitated towards Danny because her music was a little bit edgier and a little bit more adult. Um, and I do think, I don't know if you're going to hate me for this, but I do think that there's a lot of, music on here that kind of was a precursor to km94 like i can hear oh a lot. no stop I, can, it. I, I think there's a, I think there's a lot <laughs> i knew you were gonna have an issue with that um well <laughs> i do i, think I mean totally i think there's there's definitely moments where it always feels like not that not that danny did it first but i do feel like danny always gets told that she's copying Kylie and I think quite often I actually thought it was the other way around um and I did think that when I got KM94 I was like oh this sounds a bit like a Danny album oh my goodness I I would say I'm just guessing here but that is because of the way it made you feel rather than the actual music because when I listened to Danny I know that at the time it was described as and you've used the word there a more mature version of Kylie's sort of pop music mm. when you actually dig into it it's not these songs much as i love them and they're beloved to me and we're going to go through a few of them in a minute yeah there is a great immaturity in them frankly i keep listening to and especially in the delivery i listen to a lot of this and this is not an authentic original album this is a no. girl who's desperately trying to appear like a number of other people and that's yeah. by my definition one of the indicators of immaturity there's i want to be janet i want to be a rapper i want to wear a leather jacket i want to be prince there's all of that in here and as i listened to it even recently to get myself re-familiarized with it yeah i thought oh you poor girl you were just so desperate to be seen uh in the likes of of janet's and madonna's 
but I think the sound is more mature. So I think that's that's what people were referring to, and I think that um, that there is definitely a mature sound in the music. The the lyrics, no, but. I mean, specifically, I'm sure we'll get to it, but specifically, I don't want to take this pain. To me, sounds like it could have been on KM ninety four. Okay, well, in that particular case, I can see a link. Yep, absolutely. Uh, That's a brilliant song. Um, Mm. So hard to forget. A little bit as well, I suppose. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in in a couple of instances, maybe, maybe. Before we actually look at some of the tracks on this debut album, let's learn a little bit about Danny for those who who might not be as familiar as you and I. She was born in 1971, Danielle Jane Minogue. And as I said, she was one of Australia's most popular public figures when she starred on Young Talent Time. That was from 1982 to 1988. That was the quintessential television family. To be honest, it was a very big event when she left. And then she went on to emulate Kylie's soap opera success appearing as Emma on Home and Away for about 18 months. There you go. There's another reason for me to be cynical. You know, Kylie's been successful in a soap opera, so Danny plays the opposite character on Home and Away, the rival program. Uh, Maybe a couple of years, but, yeah, it wasn't long. She made quite an impression for the short amount of time she was there. I didn't even watch it. What was that, sorry? I didn't even watch it and I knew she was in it. Yeah, it was sort of big news too, the way she flicked her hair around and tried to pour milkshakes on people's heads. Um, (laughs) She released her debut album, which we're talking about today, in 1990, as you've said, but 91 in the UK. And throughout the years, she's appeared in a number of live stage shows, including Greece and Notre Dame de Paris, de Paris, amazing performances of Live for the One I Love, one of her best pieces Mm. of work, in my opinion. I love that live performance. She was so good. Everything. Everything exploded in 2007 when she joined the UK's X Factor and she famously slept with Simon Cowell while Sharon Osbourne couldn't cope with the jealousy. Uh, Danny Minogue is known for some fashion lines that she's put out, certainly over here in Australia. Target carries Danny Minogue's petites. And on the personal front, she was married to Julian McMahon. He was the son of a former Australian Prime Minister. She's had quite a few relationships very similar to Kylie in that sense. And then she met Chris Smith. And although they're no longer together, they had a baby named Ethan together in 2010. More recently, she's been on the panel of Masked Singer in Australia, and she caused controversy very recently for seemingly flouting the COVID rules in Australia. She returned to our country from overseas and got to complete her quarantine in a private residence, unlike the rest of us mere mortals. And Kylie, of course, learnt from that episode. She came back home and quarantined in the prescribed way. Sometimes amateurs know best, and a lack of professionalism is all you'll hear on the Time to Talk show. Join Tim and his panel of guests as they wade their way through a range of news, music, and pop culture treats. Time to Talk, the show hosted by amateurs for unprofessional listeners. Amateurs, is this the best that they could do? Wow. Who is she as a person, Simon? I don't know. I don't know if I should judge that. I've got her autobiography and I've not finished it, which is bad, isn't it? Um, Can't blame you. <laughs> uh, I was no, really... Honestly, we got. I, I got to pick up, up. Pick up on that. It's one of the most audacious autobiographies I've ever read. And and if you compare it to interviews, like on TV, um, it's the same thing. The lady is she lives her life by 
sales figures, chart positions, But I think awards. she has to because no one's ever given her the correct credit for her talent. So she has to. What else is she supposed to do? She Because people are always constantly saying that she's in her sister's shadow. So, you know, I, I was watching in preparation for this, I watched a tiny bit of her on CD UK when Neon Knights came out and she was being interviewed and all they did was, it was Kat Dealey and all she did was ask her about Kylie. And I was mm-hmm. like, she's literally like, you know, Neon Knights was a massive album and she's promoting one of the biggest albums, pop albums of that year. And all they did was ask her about Kylie and when Kylie was going to be back again. And, and I'm, you know, so I'm not surprised that she spends all of her time, you know, talking about her achievements because people forget her achievements and they just go, oh yeah, she's Kylie's sister. It's like, well, no, she's actually been quite a big pop star, especially, I mean, I don't, I'm not as au fait with how big she was in Australia, but she was really big over here. But there's, there's just a bit of humility required, I would have thought. Like, if you listen to a Danny Minogue interview, barely one goes past where she's not showing off a trophy or showing off a sales figure. She knows them down to the, to the odd number. But also, I sold 427 copies of Love and Kisses on September. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable, the, the detail that she knows. I, I feel sorry for her, Simon. That, that's what I'm saying. I'm not denigrating yeah. her for it. And also you mentioned the word, um, for me, it's not about arrogance. It's about yeah. um, a tragedy, actually. I think she's totally trying to live up to her parents' expectations, actually. Well, there's been a few little flippant comments she's made in the book and in some interviews, very, very fleeting and very passing. But it seems to me like she really wants to be seen as successful in their eyes. You sort of jokingly said that you were braced for this conversation about Danny, but I, I'm going to put put it right on the table now. She is delightful. She is lovely. She is beautiful, compassionate and generous and warm. Every every time I see her and as she's blossomed into a woman especially, like she is she is delightful. So I make that clear. I don't want that to be ambiguous. I don't feel badly about Danny. I think she is wonderful. When she was in Notre Dame de Paris was around the time of Neon Nights and she was still gigging and she would be doing shows and then she'd be rehearsing because my one of my mates was one of her dancers at the time. And um yeah, she would be rehearsing her gigs and I actually saw her I think at GAY um in that period and um around the show so she'd do a show she'd do a full show in the West End and then pop over to GAY and do like a half an hour set at GAY as well yeah and like the hard working thing I admire but there's also tragedy wrapped up in it the the Terry Wogan show she was on there and I think it was Love and Kisses that she performed on that show and behind the scenes, she was there. She was the first one on the set. She spent the whole day. She went through the routine countless times before she actually performed it on the show. I just mm. I find that really sad because that's not discipline like Madonna. That's desperation. I don't know if I think it is. So the other thing that I didn't say earlier when talking about whether I preferred Danny or Kylie is that I also think Danny is a better dancer. And I think, I don't know if that's maybe what made me gravitate t- towards her more because obviously as a dancer and especially as a kid, you know, I, when I was, when, uh, when I was 10, when Love and Kisses came out, I, I used to go to like holiday camps and stuff with my parents. And I remember one year that, that year, uh, in 91, we were at a particular holiday camp and I used, every time Danny came on, I would be straight up on the dance floor 
And the woman that ran kind of the entertainment came over to my parents and was like, he needs to enter the talent competition. And it was because I knew the dance routine to Love and Kisses. And she'd seen me doing that. And she said, oh, you, you, you get up to all the Danny Minogue stuff and you know all the dance moves and everything. And um, so I think I must have really gravitated towards her as, as a dancer. And I suppose because the people that she reminded me of then, like Janet and Paula Abdul and people like that, were dancers that were doing that kind of New Jack Swing thing. Whereas I think, you know, I mean, Kylie's dancing was quite limited, really, to start with, and has always been a bit wooden. Um, and they managed oh, to... Oh, now, come on. No, 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 no. Um, Fever, which no. is the best she's ever looked dancing, they specifically chose a choreographer whose style fitted, you know, really well how she moved. Like, they, they managed to get that really, really well. But I do... I do think that Kylie's always struggled a bit. No, I don't agree with that at all. I think Danny's choreography was more exciting and definitely she put more emphasis on her dancing, 100%. Couldn't mm. agree with you more there. But Kylie can really move. I've always – one of my biggest criticisms of Kylie is that she can dance beautifully – but she doesn't, and especially now, like she refuses to move. She strains herself to walk across the stage these days. But <laughs> dancing, she she is a really awesome dancer. You go and watch her dance routines of Shocked and What Do I Have to Do and um, all of those ones that Venol uh, choreographed back in the day. She can do it. She just doesn't particularly yeah, want to. And, not, and she doesn't her routines to me, whereas Danny does. She doesn't look like a dancer, did you say? Mm, whereas Danny does. Yeah. Well, look, I think that comes down to the routines. Like I, I'd say that Danny's routines and choreography were grittier and more exciting because of her music. And I think Kylie's uh, music, um, I think they choreographed for it perfectly. But, yeah. yeah, look, I mean, a lot of people have said that, that Danny's the better dancer. I just I don't know if I agree with it. I just think that she had more opportunity to do great choreography. Yeah, possibly. Okay, let's look at this album before we go anywhere. I mean, Party Jam, again, I'm going through the track listing for the Australian oh, version. Cool. That way. Okay, cool. Yeah, we don't necessarily have to hit on every track, but no, Party no, no. Jam. You're doing the Australian one. Yeah, but you can take me up. That's all right. I noticed with Party Jam they put the uh, quite a long version for the opening of the Australian album and then they've cut it right back for the UK version. I find that a little bit amusing because the conspiracy behind that in my fantasy head is that they went oh this isn't as good as we first thought let's snip a minute off it yeah i think that's probably quite accurate <laughs> and they and they buried it in the second half of the album for yeah. you guys i mean it's because it's quite great. embarrassing actually hmm? it, it's a little bit embarrassing it's like i don't know this is what i meant by immaturity i, I find this is the definition of that for me on this album it's like i don't know She's very squeaky voiced and in the middle of like a party sound effect um, and just going, it's a party jam. I think, I think that, so my reading of the situation from 90 to 91, from looking into it and looking at the track listings of the albums, is that they focused on one side of her for Australia, which was the kind of poppier side and then realised that that wasn't the album that they'd released, so then had to kind of try and make it appear slightly cooler by rejigging the tracks around and putting remixes on and stuff. 
because I think it, it does feel very much like they led with something that they thought was going to be a lot more commercial, but actually it it just isn't the strongest thing. Well, I think it, in both regions, I think they wanted to market her as a grittier version of Kylie, no doubt about it. I think mm-hmm. she was trying to do the same if you look at her wardrobe and, and the photography around that time. Um, even I look at the the the... Um, the track success which was released as a single she had a hand in writing that there's there was just something um you know i don't care i'm going to use the word there's something a bit desperate in in a lot of these tracks and around the marketing of this album there just are but it was it was fairly successful too Uh, what are the standout tracks for you on on this album don't want to take this pain um i love success i love love and kisses i love i mean i to be honest i love about two-thirds of it like really, really yeah. heavily love about two thirds of it. Um, I love Jump to the Beat. Jump to the Beat was massive over here. Um, I really like that, that wasn't on ours, was it? That wasn't on no, the Australian I version. Say, I didn't think Jump to the Beat was on yours either. That was Incredible. one of the things here. Um, and I like. I didn't like Love Traffic at the time, but looking back at it now, I think it's brilliant. Um, mm. But yeah, I and Baby Love, obviously, like obviously, which was on ours that wasn't on yours. Um, I, I think it's a really strong album, but those are kind of, I think, my standouts. I like Attitude and I like Work, but I'm not as, like, I don't remember them as well without going into it to listen to them. And for, for me, I lo- there's not a single track on this album that I don't like. I, I think every track is is really good. Like I say, though, when you listen to some of them in isolation, there's a little bit of um, tragedy in the fact that they're trying to emulate other people. But nonetheless, it was of its time. Um, I thought Love Traffic was great. I was like you. It took me a long time to to like that song. And I was I remember thinking, oh, my God, if Kylie is going to release an album like this, because we all thought she was leaving Stock Oak and Waterman, if she's writing her old album, we're in trouble. I remember thinking that even though I like it, this is not the direction that I was so comfortable with. I really love So Hard to Forget. Um, for some reason, I, I think it's a beautiful song. I noticed with "I Don't Want to Take This Pain," they really beefed it up for the UK version. Yeah, um, the version they the just, UK was incredible. Yeah, yeah, they just added a bit of um, thumpy, almost mm. rap-like beats over the top of it, which I yeah. thought was a shame because it sort of took it from a, a ballad. I was—it's what you're used to, isn't it? I was used to quite a ballady song, and then yours was much more R and B almost. Mm. Um, Attitude, true lovers work call to your heart and so hard to forget as you said i i I think it's a great album i think love and kisses is a good song as well i mean yeah and i didn't uh, did i mention success which is like one of my favorite songs ever in the entire world (laughs) driving fancy cars and wearing fancy things dripping with diamonds and gold i love it so much and i and it was my first experience of someone um stylizing the way that a title was written because it's got all the dollar signs in it um i can't really i have to fight really hard to fault it as an album as a pop album like i think especially for the time it came out it was quite edgy um and there was even edgier stuff if you listen to the uh the deluxe that didn't make it onto the album um, I mean, hallucinate. Is it hallucinate? Hallucination is like an actual acid house song. She's hardly present on it, but it's incredible. Um, so you can tell they obviously recorded a lot of stuff that was 
a bit edgier. Um, and I suppose maybe they didn't think it was like people weren't ready for it, I suppose, in 91. It went gold in the UK. It sold 100,000 copies. It peaked at number eight. So it was a top 10 album, which is huge in the UK. That means a lot of sales. In Australia, it got to number 24 at its peak. Um, really? I don't think it was certified. Yeah, Shit. I don't think it made platinum or gold over here. Its its aim was to get her profile up and to transition her from a screen TV screen personality to a music icon. And probably, Simon, part of that reason for the dull position is because she headed off to the UK to promote it. That's where she, yeah. that's where her target market was. She was over there doing the performances. You had bigger hits, Baby Love and um, yeah. Jump to the Beat. We didn't have those. Yeah. Um, but Love and Kisses were big over here as well. What was that? Love and Kisses and Success were both big over here as well. Yeah, and see, I don't remember. Love and Kisses was fairly successful here. It was played on Rage over and over, so it must have made it up in the charts. But mm. – um, I, I do think there's a really good reason why it was more successful in the UK than here. Talk about the videos. Well, I mean, they were all very of their time, weren't they? Like the success video specifically, I remember being very kind of those videos that everyone was doing with the the kind of hip-hop elements and the, uh, the dancing and the kind of it, that's the one with the, all the uh, blank backgrounds, isn't it? Where she's kind of with all the colored backgrounds and stuff. Um, mm. And I think that that, you know, it was, it's all very of its time, isn't it? We just had top of the pops and people used to come on and she used to come on and perform on top of the pops. So we very rarely saw any of the videos over here. So I've only really watched them like kind of since on YouTube and stuff. Love and Kisses, I think the editor should be fired because you've got to go through screenshot by screenshot for the final product. And there is one screenshot of Danny looking a little bit intoxicated possibly with a big question mark right next to her face. So if you pause that, that makes a bad screen grab. You don't want that in the video clip. should have been edited out. When I caught hold of the later videos for Baby Love and Jump to the Beat, I thought those were great. I, I don't know what they did with Baby Love. Like you say, a bit of its time, but um, almost animated in a way. Like that, that, whatever yeah. filter they used or whatever. I, I, I love Baby Love. I think there's something mystical about that. Yeah. It's, it's strange, isn't it? And I, I don't think the videos necessarily would have done her any favours um, sales-wise, but I suppose in the UK it wasn't a problem. I, I remember the, vid, the first video off the second album think it was the first video a lot better than i remember any of the videos off this album well there was a love and kisses video collection released uh, as artists tend to do back then jump to the beat love and kisses i don't want to take this pain success baby love and an interview including home and away footage as a yeah. bonus little item on there fascinatingly to me it was re-released in 2009 and when i tried to put my head around that being here in australia it of course occurred to me that she would have been at her peak over there with x factor yeah. she would have been a couple of seasons in by that stage so yeah they've re-released the whole thing in 2009 as a deluxe edition was that when the greatest hits came out as well was that around that time i it's i would probably guess yes i'm wondering if it was around the same time as hits and beyond because i was very obsessed with the new stuff she was doing and the album that was supposed to be coming out that never came out um so i don't know if i would have necessarily gone back mm. so because i have love and kisses on cd anyway so i'd, I'd probably yeah i probably wouldn't have bothered 
Well, it's just full of that deluxe edition of, of little treasures, I would say. It's a, a little bit of a mess in some way. Different seven-inch mixes, mm. album versions, master mixes, yeah. um, edits. It's, you know, it's full of it. And Party Jam, I'm going to go and listen to this after this, the Bruce Forrest seven-inch mix of Party Jam. Because yeah. that song amuses me, I'm going to go and listen to that. It is better than the than the normal version. What would you give this album out of ten, Simon? Oof. Um. Okay, I'm going to give it two scores on a nostalgic value for for like myself. I'm going to give it a nine, but for like objectively looking at it as somebody that isn't a massive fan of Danny anyway. Probably like a seven and a half. How interesting. You've gone exactly where I was heading. I think it's a good seven and a half. I remember my parents had laid new carpet in the house when I played this for the first time, and it probably was toxic, but it smelt delightful. So <laughs> I was listening to Danny and breathing in the fumes of the new carpet. So whenever I listen to this album, I'm straight back into that house, breathing in the fumes, going, I wonder why I love Danny's album so much. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah, it's actually true. Like, I could still smell it. It had a very distinct, you know, made-in-a-Chinese-factory smell. Uh, it's been interesting talking to you, Simon. We're going to have to do a few more Danny reviews, and I'm sure yeah. Neon Light would be high on your agenda. Yeah, that and Girl would be great. Take care of yourself. 